Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a rehearsal of Israel's history as we pick up in Psalm chapter 105, verse 22. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now the psalmist does what the Israelis always love to do, the rehearsal of their history. Stephen, in the book of Acts, rehearsed the history for the people. Now the psalmist here is rehearsing a part of their glorious history, how that God preserved them. When the famine came into the land by sending Joseph ahead of them down into Egypt to prepare the food for them so that they'd have food during the time of the famine. And God made Joseph the Lord over the house of the Pharaoh and the ruler of all of his substance to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his senators wisdom. And so Joseph was second in command. He could bind the princes of Egypt and he taught the senators wisdom. Israel also came to Egypt and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. And he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their heart to hate his people and to deal subtly with his servants. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen, and they showed his signs among them and the wonders in the land of Ham. He sent the darkness, and they rebelled not against his word. He turned their waters into blood. He killed their fish. Their land brought forth frogs in abundance in the chambers of their kings, frogs in the king's bed and in the kneading troughs of their dough. He spake, and there came forth divers sorts of flies, all kinds of different flies, and lice in all of their coast. And he gave them hail for rain, flaming fire in their land. He smote their vines also, their fig trees. He broke the trees of their coast. He spake, and the locusts came, and the caterpillars, and that without number. And they did eat up all the vegetables in their land and devoured the fruit of the ground. He smote also the firstborn of their land, the chief of their strength. He brought them forth also... That is, now he brought his people forth with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Egypt was glad when they departed. (laughs) I can imagine, tired of the flies and the lice and the frogs and caterpillars and locusts. He spread a cloud for a covering, Now, that cloud by which they were led was more than just a something to lead them. It was a covering. They were were going through this hot wilderness area. And so what did God do? He put the cloud above them to give them shade, a covering. Not only when the cloud moved was it God's indication for them to move, they followed under the shadow of the cloud. God used it as a covering over them. And when necessary, God brought it down and made it fog behind them to keep the Egyptians from knowing what was going on as they escaped through the Red Sea. The cloud that led them went behind them and settled down and was a thick fog to the Egyptians. So God used the cloud for many purposes. A covering the fire to give them light in the evening (laughs) so they could go out (laughs) at night with the light of the fire of God above them. And the people asked, 
and he brought quails, and he satisfied him with the bread from heaven, the manna that he had given. He opened the rock, and waters gushed out, and they ran in the dry places like a river, for he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant, and he brought forth his people with joy and his chosen with gladness. And he gave them the lands of the heathen, and they inherited the labor of the people. He brought them into this land, and actually they, they took over the vineyards and the orchards and all of the people that were there. They inherited all of the rock walls and everything that the people had made, that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Praise ye the Lord. In the Hebrew, that is hallelujah. Praise ye Jehovah. Psalm 106. Praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all his praise? Blessed are they that keep judgment and he that doeth righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that you bear unto thy people. O visit me with thy salvation, that I may see the good of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, that I may glory with thine inheritance. Now, in Psalm 105, he rehearses their history with the emphasis upon God. God promising the land, God bringing them into the land. Psalm 106 is another rehearsal of their history, but it's an emphasis now upon them, the people. And what a vast difference when you look at history with the emphasis upon God and you look at history with the emphasis upon man. You look at history with the emphasis upon God and you see the faithfulness of God in history. You look at history with the emphasis upon man and you see the unfaithfulness of man. And so as he looks now at history with the emphasis upon man, he confesses, we have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Just like our fathers, we are guilty. We have sinned. We've committed iniquity. We've done wickedly. Our fathers understood not your wonders in Egypt. He referred to these wonders, the plagues in the last chapter, but the, Israeli, the Israelites did not understand them. They remembered not the multitude of your mercies, but they provoked him at the Red Sea. God brought them out of their bondage, but they didn't get but a day's journey away when they were murmuring and saying, why did you bring us out here? To kill us out here? Weren't there enough graves back there? Why did you bring us here? They began to murmur against God two days out, and they never stopped. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power to be known. He rebuked the Red Sea, also it was dried up, so he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. And he saved them from the hand of him that hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies, and there was not one of them left. But then they believed his words and they sang his praise, but they soon forgot his works." And they waited not for his counsel, but they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness, and they tempted God in the desert, and he gave them their request, but sent leanness to their soul. 
Their request was for the satisfying of their fleshly desires. God gave them their request. He satisfied their fleshly desires, but as a consequence, it brought a leanness to their spirit. So oftentimes this is true, where we get our eyes upon the material things, where we begin to live a very materialistic existence. This may be something that we're really desiring and longing after, the things in the material realm. And God may give us those things that we are longing for, but unfortunately, so often it brings with it a leanness to my own soul. I suffer spiritually as a result of it. How hard it is for those who trust in riches to even enter into the kingdom of heaven, for they that will be rich fall into diverse temptations which drown men's souls in perdition. And so this, the, the children of Israel, God gave them their request. Sometimes that can be the very worst thing that can happen to us spiritually for God to answer our prayers. He gave them their request, but gave them leanness into their soul. They envied Moses also in the camp, and Aaron the saint of the Lord, and the earth opened and swallowed up Dathan, covered the company of Abiram. And a fire was kindled in their company, and the flame burned up the wicked. They made a calf in Horeb, and they worshipped the molden image. Thus they changed their glory into the similitude of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and terrible things by the Red Sea, or awesome things by the Red Sea. Therefore he said that he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen, stood before him in the breach and to turn away his wrath lest he should destroy them. Yea, they despised the pleasant land. They believed not his word, but murmured in their tents and hearkened not to the voice of Jehovah. Therefore he lifted up his hand against them to overthrow them in the wilderness, to overthrow their seed also among the nations and to scatter them in the lands. They joined themselves also to the Baal Peor and ate sacrifices of the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their inventions, and the plague broke in upon them. Then stood up Phineas and executed judgment so that the plague was stopped. And that was counted unto him for righteousness and all of his generations forevermore. They angered him also at the waters of Mirabah so that it went ill with Moses for their sakes. Here's an interesting insight. The reason why Moses couldn't go into the promised land was for their sakes, that God might teach them the importance of obedience to God. Obedience to God is surely one of the most important things in life for each of us. What does God require of me? obedience. Moses was disobedient to God in the eyes of the people. God said to Moses, go out and speak to the rock and it'll give forth water. Moses took his staff and he hit the rock. Must I hit this rock and give you water? And thus he failed to represent God. And for the people's sake, 
God didn't let him go into the land. You see, their history was oral history for many years. They learned their history from the stories that were told by the mothers to the children. Stories of their past, the story of God's work in their midst. From the time a child was first cradled in its mother's arms, the mother would whisper in the child's ear, the Lord is God. The Lord is God. And very early they would begin to rehearse the stories of God's work in their history to their children. And they would pass down by oral tradition the stories of God's deliverance, God's power, God's work. And as they would tell the story of the bondage in Egypt after the death of Joseph and the Pharaoh who arose and knew not Joseph, and how that their fathers were placed under cruel subjugation by the Pharaoh, how that he had ordered all of the baby boys to be slain, and the terrible, cruel bondage, the slavery. But then God raised up a leader, even Moses, who was a man of God, and God spoke unto Moses, and God sent Moses down to Egypt, and through Moses, God brought the plagues upon the Egyptians and they would tell their children the exciting story of how a man in tune with God was able to bring their fathers out of the bondage of Egypt. And Moses was the hero, the man of God, the man that God used. But then their voices would become hushed as they would say to their children, but Moses could not go into the promised land because he disobeyed God. And that importance of obedience to God above everything else was just burned into the mind of the children as Moses, the example of a man of God, highly honored and favored, a man like no other man with whom God did speak in such a direct way. And yet this man, Moses, as close as his relationship was with God, he was held back from the greatest ambition of his life. He could not go into the land because he disobeyed God. And for the sake of the people, Moses was not able to go into the land because they provoked his spirit. The people had provoked Moses' spirit so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. They did not destroy the nations, though they were commanded to do so. But they mingled with the heathen and they learned their ways and they began to serve their idols, which were a snare to them. Yes, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters to devils. They followed the practice of the 
of the Baal worshipers who, be, who would sacrifice their little babies in, in these little arms of their gods. The Baal, you, you see the little iron and, and stone gods and their arms are outstretched with the hands in an upward position. You can see them in the museums over there, the, the little gods that have been uncovered by the archaeologists. And what they would do is place these little gods in the fire until the metal, the iron, would turn a glowing red hot, and then they would take their babies and place them in the glowing hot arms of this little idol of Bell, sacrificing their babies. And as the babies would scream in pain and all, they would dance and scream so that they couldn't hear the screams of their children practices of the heathen. This is why God drove the people out of the land. This is why God commanded them to destroy the people because their practices were so corrupt, but they disobeyed God. And exactly what God knew would happen did happen. They began to follow after these pagan, licentious, horrible, evil practices of worship. They shed innocent blood, even the blood of their own sons and their own daughters, who they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. Now, the interesting thing is that God here declares that they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils. In other words, behind the idol worship was Satan worship. And this is true. Behind idol worship is Satan worship. Paul said, they that do sacrifice things unto idols do sacrifice them unto devils. It is common belief that many of these idols are actually inhabited by demon spirits. Even as a demon is embodied in human bodies, sometimes demons often will seek embodiment within an idol that is worshipped by people. And thus prayers and all to the idol can be answered by demon activity. There is power. There are things that can be done in a supernatural realm by the demonic forces that are inhabiting these idols. And behind the false worship is the worship of Satan. That is why it is so totally inconsistent to say, well, all religions really lead people to God. And how can you say that Christianity is the only real way to God? Because these people are very religious. They're very sincere. Look at the way they are worshiping their idols. The scripture said they're worshiping devils. And Satan is really the choreographer behind all of the religious systems of the world apart from Christianity. And so the people were defiled with their own works. They went whoring with their own inventions. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people inasmuch as he, ab he abhorred his own inheritance. 
And he gave them into the hand of the heathen, and they that hated them ruled over them, and their enemies also oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their hand. Many times did he deliver them, but they provoked him with their counsel and were brought low for their iniquity. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry, and he remembered for them his covenant and repented according to the multitude of his mercies. He made them also to be pitied of all of those that carried them captives. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the heathen to give thanks unto thy holy name and to triumph in thy praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting, and let all the people say, Amen. Praise ye the Lord. Now, again, the amen, the doxology, brings us to the end of the fourth book of the Psalms. And beginning with Psalm 107, we enter now into the fifth book of the Psalms. And so entering in now to a new, uh, the fifth and the uh, final book of the Psalms, which goes from here to Psalm 150. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Psalms on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Psalms 105 through 106 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is the Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord help us not to forget His greatness, His mercy, His love, His wisdom, His power. May we walk in the consciousness of His presence. May we become more attuned to His works and to His love. May God be with you. And may God bless you. And may God strengthen you through this week. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Sometimes it's difficult to know what to say or how to help someone who is going through a recent death in the family or a sudden tragedy that's happened. And it's in times like this that we want to be used by God to bring encouragement, hope, and most of all, love to our family and friends who are going through a hardship. That's why I'd like to tell you about a book by Chuck Smith called When the Storm Hits. 
I'm amazed when I read this book that it's able to encourage and strengthen a person and persuade them to look to Jesus and not at their problem. It encourages us to be patient, not to lose hope, and when the storm hits, to get anchored on Jesus, the rock, and don't let go. To order a copy of Chuck Smith's book, When the Storm Hits, please call the word for today at 800-272-9673. Or you can visit us online to read a preview of the book by visiting thewordfortoday.org.